Good morning, everybody. How are you? Good? Great? A couple greats, a good, a solid? Everybody, good. Well, glad to hear. Man, uh, today's a special day. We're doing a baby dedication. We're doing a baby dedication. Uh, Timothy, Daniel Blatchford, uh, we're dedicating them. And the family's here, the Blatchford family. So, guys, can you uh, just give it up for the Blatchford family for, yep. This dedication will take place uh, immediately right after the sermon, so um, we'll just transition right into that. So I'm excited for that, uh, to be able to do that, to be a church where, uh, man, we're just dedicating a baby to the Lord. That's, um, that's important. That's significant uh, today, and we want to be that church uh, who are doing those kinds of things. Um, man, uh, we're in week six of this current study that we've been in, in the life of Abraham. Uh, week six, of, it's, called, it's called the crossover uh, study that we're in. And man, Abraham, uh, we have learned that he is the father of faith. Uh, if you don't know who Abraham is, or maybe you've heard of him, you may have heard that Abraham is widely considered to be the father of faith. He's the father of faith. And what that really means is, is to save the world from our sin, to save the world from its sin, God had to be born in the world in Jesus Christ. God had to be born into the world in Jesus Christ. And to do that, he had to start a lineage. Man, he had to start a line of descendants to get to the Messiah, Jesus. And to do that, you have to start somewhere. So where does he start? Well, he starts with Abraham. Abraham is the first person in the line of descendants that leads to the Messiah, Jesus Christ. That makes Abraham the first Hebrew person. Abraham is the first Hebrew, the first Jewish person uh, in the world. He was called by God to, to start this line, this, this, this lineage leading to Jesus. And that word, uh, as we've discussed in past weeks, uh, Hebrew, uh, it means to cross over. Hebrew means, that word Hebrew means to cross over. And God, as we've seen in the scriptures, God is taking uh, Abraham and his family on a journey. He's taking them on a journey and they're called to cross over. Moment to moment, day by day, wherever he brings them, they're called to cross over and make decisions, make choices, to make decisions and make choices. And they're called to cross over from the kingdom of the world to the kingdom of God. Man, they're called to cross over from an old way to a new way, from an old identity to a new identity, from an old way of life to a new way of life, from their way to God's way. From their way to God's way, crossing over day by day, moment to moment. And man, what we're seeing in Abraham and his family, we're seeing a family just like us. Abraham, he's the father of faith, but man, he is not perfect. We've seen. He is not perfect. Uh, he messes up. He sins just like us. Uh, he fails, but he has successes and he has victories just like us. Um, this man is no greater than we are. Uh, he, 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 he's, he's, he's imperfect, just like we are. And yet, in the middle of all, we have seen God's faithfulness. We have seen God's faithfulness. And man, I'll tell you what, uh, today's scripture, today's scripture, uh, I think about it in sports. Uh, great sports wins, right? Great sports wins, they always have uh, signature plays that everybody remembers that win by, Right? Great sports wins have great signature plays that everybody remembers the win by. 
man, you look at the Philadelphia Eagles history, there's only a few things that come to mind. There's not a lot of like signature plays in Eagles history. I think the Philly Special, exactly. Man, you remember that Super Bowl win by the Philly Special. Or maybe I also think about Freddie Mitchell for 4th and 26. Yep, Fred X back in 2004. Man, you remember that NFC Championship game win back in 2004, I think it was, against the Packers. You remember that play. I'm a Giants fan. There's all kinds of signature plays in Giants history. All kinds. 1991, Buffalo Bills, Super Bowl, Giants, Scott Norwood, missed field goal. Giants win 20-19. I remember that game through that field goal miss. Right, David Tyree, 2007, the helmet catch, right, Super Bowl win, 2011, Mario Manningham sideline catch. I could go on and on about the Giants. I could go on and on about the Giants. Blatchfords, where are you guys from? Some Washington here? Giants, good, good, there you go, so you know what I'm talking about. Guys, what I'm trying to say here, what I'm trying to say here, today's text is that text. Today's text, this is the signature text in Scripture. This is a signature text in Scripture, a seminal chapter. This is a game-defining Scripture in all of Scripture. Man, it's not the only game-defining Scripture in the Bible. But man, today, today is almost like the first one. Today is almost like the first one. This is a game-defining text that sets everything up that we see in the Bible. And man, that's what we're going to get into today. And I'm excited to share with you uh, this sermon I'm calling today is He's Good For It. It's called He's Good For It. God is good for it. He's good for it, man. God, He makes many promises to us. He makes many promises to us and He stakes His reputation He stakes his reputation on the things that he says he will do, right? And we see it most clearly on the cross. We see it most clearly with salvation. Believe in me. Believe in me. Have faith in what I have done on the cross, and you will have salvation. You will have salvation. That's a promise. And he stakes his life on it. And what I'm trying to say today is God is good for it. Man, he's good for it. He's good for his promises. He comes through. And we're going to see that in Genesis today, that God is good for it. Just another example of God's faithfulness and how he is good for it. Man, before we get into the text in Genesis chapter 15, Genesis chapter 15, I'm just going to get into a little bit of where we've been so far, uh, some context before we get into Genesis 15. Man, it's been 20 years since God called Abram to himself. About six weeks ago, the first sermon that we went through, God called Abraham to himself and uh, making these astonishing promises to Abram. Absolutely unbelievable, astonishing promises to Abram. He commands Abram and his family to leave everything, to leave everything, but their promise to gain everything. To leave everything, but their promise to gain everything. Abram would be blessed. God said, You will be blessed. Follow me. You will be blessed. He would bless others. God promised that he would bless others, and he promised that the whole world would be blessed through him. And what God was talking about was the Messiah. He's talking about the Messiah is going to come from you. The Messiah Jesus is going to come from you. An entire nation of people, Israel, an entire nation of people is going to come from you, Abram. 
It's going to come from you. And from your seed is going to be Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Man, those are promises that he made. And Abram, just listening to all of this, is like, dude, this is crazy. This is insane. Like, this is awesome. But it's almost unbelievable that this would happen. But here's the thing. Abram, he needed to have a son first. Man, to have all these descendants and all these people, man, he had to have a son first. He had to have a son first. All God's promises required that he have a son. And you see, having a son was the one thing that Abram and his wife couldn't do. Not only were they getting older, but Sarah, his wife, was barren. And she wasn't capable of having a child. So they're going through all these emotional struggles like, man, we want to have a kid. You know, we want to have a kid. We want to have a son. I don't know if you've experienced this or not. Man, we want to have a son. We want to have a kid, but we can't. Man, that's something that they really struggle with. And God is telling them, no. Man, it's impossible for you to have a son. Sarah, you're barren. You guys are getting older. But man, nothing's impossible with me. And I'm telling you right now, you're going to have that son. You're going to have that son. That's a promise that he has made to Sarah and Abram. And nevertheless, Abram and his family, they pick up and they left their home to go where God called them, which was the land of Canaan. They follow God. God, they're like, okay, God, we, we're listening to you. We, we believe this kind of what you're saying. So let's go. They pick up and go. And along the way, man, they've messed up. We've learned that these past six weeks, man. They have messed up. Man, Abram takes his family to Egypt where they shouldn't have been because of a famine. And he gets his wife caught in a harem. His wife caught in a harem with the Pharaoh. Man, that's not good. Sarah's like, babe, what are you doing? Like, what, what, what are you getting me into? Like, Abraham is messed up. Man, he, he messes up just like us. Man, he, he has messed up. And, and then and his nephew Lot, he has a nephew Lot. You know, if you've heard of Lot, he has a nephew Lot who got Abram caught in a war. That we've seen the past few weeks, he gets Abram caught in a war, and, and Abram has to, uh, with his small army, defeat four giant armies, and he experiences the trauma of battle. You know, if I'm Abram, if I'm Abram, I don't know about you, if I'm Abram, I'm like, what is going on here? <laughs> this is crazy. God, you called us to, to just follow you. You're going to do all this stuff and bless us. And man, we're going to be a blessing. And you're going to start this, this line of descendants. And you're going to give us a son. But I'm not seeing this. I'm not seeing it. This is crazy. What is going on? Is this what you called me to? Man, is this what you called me to? Man, he's cleaning up his nephew's messes. He's cleaning up his nephew, nephew's messes. Man, I didn't sign up for this, right? That's, that's what I'm thinking if I'm Abram. What is next? You told me you would give me a son. Where is this going? Man, I'm not getting any younger. What's next? What crazy thing is going to happen next? You know, what, what are you doing, God? But then, here we are to today's text. Abram, he becomes keenly aware that he's not alone. He's having this moment. It's at night around a campfire. And he has this moment where he's having all these thoughts and he's just really struggling. A lot of fear and a lot of doubt. And he has this moment where all of a sudden he's keenly aware that he's not alone. He's not alone. And the presence of God is in his midst. The presence of God is in his midst. And he has a heart-to-heart -heart 
with Abram. He has a heart-to-heart with Abram. And that's what today's text is about. It's this heart-to-heart. It's an intimate, formative moment with Abram. Let's look at the scripture. It says this, Genesis 15, starting in verse 1. It says, After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Man, Abram, he just blurts out his deepest fear to God. He just blurts out his deepest fear to God. He's being honest with God. He's being really honest. Leaving this life without any physical descendants of his own. That's his deepest fear. Back then, it was so important to have a son. It was, and you know, it might be important now for some of you. You know, for me, it's always been important to me. I'm the last Doback. That's my last name. I'm the last Doback. If I don't have a son, <laughs> there's no more Dobacks, man. We're, we're going to be gone. I'm the last one. It's kind of important for me to have a son, you know? Nothing wrong with that. But, you know, I trust God, and maybe we won't. Who knows? I don't know. Man, he wants a son, and it's not happening, and he fears that. That's a big deal to him. It's not happening You know, Abram, he appreciated the promises from God. He does, but at the same time, there was a sense in which it sounded empty to Abram. You know, God, like, I I hear you. I hear what you're saying. But it's just kind of empty to me. It's just kind of empty to me. That's basically what he's saying. It was as if Abram said, you know, what good is the land that you promised me? What good is the land or what good is this nation? You tell me you're going to put this nation in my midst. This nation is going to come from me. What good is that? Man, what, what, what good is this nation? I didn't ask for these things. I didn't ask for land. I didn't ask for a nation. I just wanted a son. I just want a son. That's all I want. I didn't ask for land or a nation. What good is all of this if I don't have a son? What good is it that you are my shield or my reward when the only thing that I ever wanted in my life was a son? Where is he? Where is he, God? God began a good work in Abram, but it didn't feel like it to him. It didn't feel like it to him at all. He's like, what is going on? Guys, do God's promises ever feel empty to you? Do they ever feel empty to you when you read promises from God on that piece of paper, on, on, in, in that Bible? You read those words, you know, a promise from God. And does it ever just feel empty to you? Like you see it on paper, but it's just not going to your heart. Right? It's just words on a piece of paper. I feel that way sometimes. I feel that way sometimes. Maybe your life just isn't matching up in any way to what you read of his promises and his word. Maybe your life just isn't matching up in any way. You see God saying these things, and it's awesome, you know? But man, my life, it's not matching up. It's not matching up to this. When we read these promises, I'm just sharing a couple of my favorite promises with you from Romans 8.28. It's on the screen. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. 
That's a promise. That's a promise. And we know that in all things, all things, good and bad, all things, God works for the good of those who love Him. Man, Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, And he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Will. That's a promise. This will happen. This will happen. And he who began a good work in you, no matter how bad it seems in your life, man, things are not matching up. He began a good work in you and he's going to complete it. It's working. He's going to complete it. Those are promises from God. Those are promises from God. But man, we think, or Abram thinks, you know, I didn't sign up for this. I didn't sign up for this, this stuff, that's this garbage that's going on in my life. I didn't sign up for this, man. This is not how it's supposed to go. I didn't ask for this. Right? We all got things in our lives where we don't ask for it. Man, it just comes. I didn't ask for this. This doesn't feel like a good work. You're telling me you started a good work and you're going to complete it? This doesn't feel like a good work. Man, you're working all things for the good, for those who love you. I love you, God. I love you. But this doesn't feel good. This doesn't feel good, man. This is, this is what Abram is going through in his heart, man. This is what we go through in our heart. Man, every day, man, we got something. We got something that's just almost destroying us. Man, you know, what God gives us, man, we rarely ask for it. The things that he gives us, the struggles or the disappointments, man, we rarely ask for it. We, never, we don't ask God for disappointment. God, disappoint me. God, give me a struggle. Bring it on. Let's do this. No. No, we never ask for those things. God gave Abram things he didn't ask for. Some of it was good. Lands, you know, the lands and the, the people, the nation. Those are good things. But Abram didn't ask for those things. I just want a son, man. I just want a son. God was working out his great purpose for Abram and humanity through Abram's deepest disappointment. I mean, it's the same thing for you. It's the same thing for us. When we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, God is working out his great purpose for you through your greatest disappointment. That's how he works. Because he wants glory. It's his reputation, man. It's his glory. I'm going to take your greatest disappointment and I'm going to do so much good through it that you can do nothing but be like, praise God. Thank you, God. That's what he's doing with Abram. That's what he's doing with us. Let's, let's see what the scripture says next. Starting in verse 4, it says, Then the word of the Lord came to him. So Abram has said all these things. He's blurted out, you know, what's in, on his heart. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. And then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. So shall your offspring be. And Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. He credited it to him as righteousness. 
Abram didn't claim to know how God would fulfill his covenant. He didn't claim to know how God was going to do this. He accepted the promise in faith and he trusted God. God, you're saying this? I, 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 I trust you. I'm listening. I believe. I believe. I trust you. You're saying this, guys. Verse 6 is one of the most significant verses in all of Scripture. One of the most significant verses in all of Scripture. Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. This is the silver bullet that we're looking for. This is the silver bullet we're looking for. I know each and every one of you, and sometimes me, I'm looking for that silver bullet, man. Things are messed up. What is that one thing that can just fix everything? What is that one thing that can just fix everything and just all of a sudden just make everything work in my life? What is that silver bullet? Guys, it's not a strategy. It's not a checklist. Man, it's not a marketing plan or a PR you know, initiative thing, whatever, whatever that stuff's called. Man, it's not those things. It's not a strategy. We love that stuff. It's because of his faith. It's because of his faith. God declared him righteous. God declared Abram right with him. He declared Abram in good standing with him because of his faith. Because he believed. Abram was acceptable to God because of his faith. Abram didn't suddenly become a morally flawless person here. No, he was far from it. We've already seen, man, he's messed up. He has sins, man. He's just like us. He has messed up. And next week when Charles preaches, he's going to mess up big time. <laughs> Abram is going to mess up big time next week. He's going to mess up big time, man. He doesn't become morally flawless. Far from it. He would sin again. And nor did his behavior suddenly conform to God's perfect standard. He didn't literally become righteous. He didn't literally become righteous and perfect. Nothing about Abram changed at all. God has simply credited to him and applied all of the rights and privileges of righteousness to Abram through faith. When God is looking at Abram, he's seeing his own record, not Abram's record. He's seeing his own record and not Abram's record. God has credited righteousness. And this affirmation that does not come after some achievement of Abram's, Abram's not coming off like, man, he just did something awesome and now he's all special and, you know, God is just like, man, way to go, you're awesome. Way to go, man. You're awesome. You know what? You're right in my eyes. You did something special and great. That's not what's happening here, man. Abram is messed up right now in his heart. It comes after a time of weakness. Man, it comes after a time of fear. It comes after a time of weakness and fear and doubting. That's when this comes after. Fear, doubting, and weakness. Abram was clinging to his faith by his fingernails. Literally. He was clinging to his faith by his fingernails. His belief is so imperfect. It's so imperfect. And yet, he believes. 
He believes. That's all it is. He just believes. It's not a great, awesome, perfect belief. There's fear, there's weakness and doubting, but he believes. And it's credited to him as righteousness. Now what happens next here in the scripture? It says, He also said to him, I am the Lord. Who brought you out of the Ur of, of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it? But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of this? Man, you're saying this, you've been telling me this for the past 20 years. How can I know this? You know, give me some kind of assurance or some kind of certainty. Abram wants some kind of assurance of God's promises. And who doesn't want assurance? Right? Who doesn't want certainty of God's promises? Who doesn't want certainty and assurance of, of salvation? Right? How can I know? How can I know that I'm saved and I'm going to heaven, man? How can I know that God's promises are going to come into fruition in my life? How can I know that he's going to be my protection and my shield and my reward? Man, how can I know this? Who doesn't want certainty that this garbage in our lives that we're going through is going to lead to something good? Man, how can I know? How can I know and have that certainty? God's like, all right. Okay. God's like, okay, let's settle this. Let's settle this once and for all. Let's settle this once and for all. I'm going to give you a tangible marker, Abram. We're going to settle this right here and right now. I'm going to give you something that you can put in your pocket, that you can have, that you can always go back to when you're not feeling faithful. Man, when you're not believing my promises strongly, when your faith is weak, I'm going to give you something that you can go back to to remind yourself that I'm good for it. That I'm good for it. And so the scripture says, and so the Lord said to him, bring me a, a heifer. Bring me a heifer, a goat, and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. <laughs> What is going on here? <laughs> Abram brought all these to him, cut them in two, and arranged the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. <laughs> what, is, what is this? Abram knew that according to the custom of his time, God told him to get a contract ready for signing. God's like, we're going to cut a contract. We're going to cut a covenant here. It's time to really get busy. It's time to get serious here with who I am and what I'm promising you. We're going to cut a contract, and he's going to get it ready for signing. Now, today's agreements, you know, today's contracts, uh, they're preserved with uh, ink on paper, right? Stamped, notarized, stored in a courthouse, you know, stuff like that. You know, got your marriage licenses and all this other stuff. That's how it's done today. Well, back, back then in Abram's time, we're talking about 4,000 B.C., so about 6,000 years ago. That's a really long time ago. Things were a little different back then. This is what a contract looked like back then. This is what a contract looked like back then. Contracts were made by the blood sacrifice of animals. 
They were made by the blood sacrifice of animals with split carcasses lying on the grounds. I know. This is how a contract was cut back then. The covenant was made when both parties to the agreement would walk through the animal parts together and they would recite the terms of the agreement and they would walk through all the, the carcass parts together and they did it together and that was the agreement. That's the contract. And when you do that, that's like a handshake back then. That was basically like a handshake back then. That's how it was done back then. Man, what happens? Verse 11 it says, Then birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abram drove them away. As the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain, so he's going to start prophesying, and he's going to start sharing with Abram. This is going to happen in the future. Before, after you're gone, this is going to happen to these people that I'm telling you that I'm going to give you, Israel. Know for certain that for 400 years your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own. He's talking about Israel and Egypt during their 400 years of slavery, of captivity in Egypt. They will be strangers in a country, country not their own, that they will be enslaved and mistreated there. But I will punish the nation, Egypt. They serve as slaves. And afterward, they will come out with great possessions. You, however will go to your ancestors in peace and be buried at a good old age. In the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here for the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. And when the sun had set and the darkness had fallen, a smoking firepot and a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. <laughs> what? <laughs> what does that even mean? Guys, as Abram waited for the Lord to appear and to walk through the carcasses with him, God didn't come right away. He actually put Abram into a deep sleep. He puts Abram into a deep sleep. He didn't come right away. And as the evening came, God had not yet appeared to walk through the animal parks with Abram and to seal the covenant. Instead, instead, this is it. This is it, guys. This is the gospel. This is scripture. Instead, God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Abraham, and he did an amazing thing. He passes through the animal parts by himself. Without Abram. He passes through the animal parts by himself. And what he's saying is the certainty of God's promises is based on who God is. And that's it. It's based on who God is. God is like, I'm passing through these parts alone. I'm going to do this. This is all about me. You're not a part of this covenant. You don't play a role in it, man. This is just me. I'm staking my life. I'm staking my reputation on this, this covenant. And, and I, just me, just I am going to walk through these animal parts. It's not on who Abram is or what he does. This is on God. This is on God. The certainty of God's promises is based on who God is, not on who Abram is or what he does. God walks through the parts by himself. Abram is not a part of the covenant. He's not a part of it. 
And he plays no role in it. Guys, this is the cornerstone of the message of the biblical Judeo-Christian gospel. This is it. This is it. This is the cornerstone of the gospel. Every other religion says that you can in your own strength meet God's standard. You can build your way up to God. You can earn your way. You can accomplish your way. You can please Him. You can please Him and and meet His standards. You can earn His favor and appeasement. Every other religion says that. You can do that. But this biblical Judeo-Christian gospel says, no, you can't. No, you can't. Jesus did for you. Jesus did for you. Man, that's the radical message of the gospel. This is why Christians are killed (laughs) all over the world. It's because of that message right there. No, you can't. You cannot earn your way to God's favor. Jesus did it for you. It was only Jesus. It could only be Jesus to do it. This covenant and God's promises could not fail because God could not fail. God cannot fail. How can we know that God's promises are sure? How can we know that they're certain? It's the cross. It's the cross. Man, how can we know that God will do everything that He says He will? It's because of the cross. It's because of the cross. That's how we know. The cross is where God's promises go from the page to our heart. It goes from the page to our heart. It's on the cross. It's right there. On the cross, God cut the final and ultimate covenant, the blood sacrifice of Jesus. God passes through on the cross. He walks through just like with Abram and that covenant that he cut with him. Jesus is the blood sacrifice through which God promises that we have salvation. He promises that we have salvation. And not only that, but he promises himself to us in our lives and his protection. He promises his protection. He's a shield. He says, I am your shield. He promises to be your reward. I am your reward. He promises those things. God is working out his great purpose for you through your deepest disappointment, and it begins with faith. That's the silver bullet. It begins with faith. It ends with faith. That's it. Not perfect faith. That's all it is. It's faith. This means to Abram and us that the reality of our faith is not based on our feelings. It's not based on our feelings. It's our worth and standing with God is based on our performance or how we feel. No. It's not based on our performance or how we feel. We can never have assurance of salvation and certainty of God's provision because there will be many times when we don't feel strong in faith. I'm not always strong in faith, man. Sometimes my faith is weak. I still have faith. I believe, but sometimes, man, it's weak. Sometimes it's not strong. Certainty is not on us. It's on God. There will be many times when you don't feel strong in your faith. Feelings, they rise and fall. They rise and fall. Abram's feelings and his faith, it was rising and and falling and just, it was inconsistent. But the landscape completely changes when we fix our sights on what God has done and what he says. God's love for us is unchanging. 
It's unchanging. And He will carry us through our trouble. He will carry us through our fear. He will carry us through our doubt as we persevere in faith. Simple faith. Simple faith. God wasn't Abram's shield or his great reward because he earned it or he deserved it. That's not why he was there, but simply because of his faith. It was because of his faith. No matter how weak it could be, no matter how bad he messed up, it was his faith. A relationship with God is not based on what we do or our ability to put on a good face. Hi, I'm, I'm good. I'm great. <laughs> I'm great. That's not what a relationship with God is, man. It's not based on what we do or our ability to put on a good face or how we feel. It's not based on that, man. It's on the certainty of God and His character and His words and what He says about me, about you, what He says about us when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. It's about God and His character. Because He's saying He's good for it. God is saying He's good for it. When He cuts this covenant, this contract with Abram, He's like, we're going to settle this right now. I'm good for it. I'm good for it. You're not good for it. <laughs> I'm good for it. He's telling you, I'm good for it. He's telling Abram, I'm good for it. On the cross... On the cross, he's saying, I'm good for it. That's what the cross is saying. I'm good for it. Just follow me. Let's pray.